Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. wanted to say happy anniversary month this is the seventh year for walking truth and guess what we're still standing before god on, and trusting Eric. in his providence for the small body of believers that we are Amen. and i just want to thank god on today that as we move forward what as we move forward and trust in what god is using us to do Man, y'all have no idea what next year gonna look like. They say, look, just look at today, but I, hey, I, I'm seeing next year. <laughs> but you know, I just thank God. And um, do I need to go on and, and say welcome to our, our brothers and sister pastor? Because yeah. you know you have go said ahead. a lot, so I don't want to, you know, double do it. But go you know, ahead. ain't nothing wrong with double doing. First of all, I want to just welcome you all who are listening and the ones that are sitting amongst me to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church. We're going to be doing the thing this month. And we're going to be doing the thing after this month if God allow us to do it. Because you know what? We have been given the opportunity to save lives. Yeah. We have been given the opportunity to learn biblical understanding the word of God. So you know what? As we stick together and step out of that comfort zone yeah. and give God some hallelujah right. and yeah, some praise. Yeah, yeah. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all just don't know what y'all got. Yeah. You know, sometimes we got to stir the pot. But you know what? It's good at stirring the pot, ain't it? Yeah. Because, boy, we have a good time in here. You know, I'm finna get on from up here because I'm gonna get this order going. Uh, I just want to thank all our, our family that's in Africa and, like I say, those who are listening on the podcast, those that are listening to us live right now. We hope we be a blessing to you yeah. today because we know we got some real special stuff coming today. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah! Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, let's get started, y'all. So we're going to start our service off with uh, scripture and prayer, which we coming from our, I'm not going to even call their names. I'm just like, y'all, come on up. Come on up and do your thing. Amen. Today's scripture is from Psalms 118, 5 through 9, and then 28 through 29. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord, he is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than, the, than to trust princes. Mm-hmm. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Amen. And if we could all bow our heads for prayer. 
I remove this mask. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you for today. Thank you, Lord. We um, thank you for getting us all here safely and um, for the celebration of Walking Truth seven years. We thank you for that. We thank you for this new building and just the congregation we have. And we thank you for Pastor James and Stacy. And um, we just thank you for the you leading us here through people and guiding us to be part of Walking Truth, Walking Truth family. Amen. We just ask for your, um, or we just, um, we thank you for your grace that you give us, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you do. And the uh, family keeps growing, and we just thank you, and we just ask you to be with all of them and what they're going through, whether it be health or personal things, Lord. We just ask you to put your hand on this church and each and every one of the people here and all around the world, Lord, um, people going through war and all sorts of crazy things out there. And we just ask that you put your hand on it. We know you're in control. And we put our faith in you, Lord, not the world. We thank you for all that you do. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. put in that prayer. <laughs> you know, I, I was telling Pastor Sutton this morning, and I'm going to move on, about this little analogy thing that I had got this morning on the way coming in. Mm -hmm. And I had read this devotional, and it was, it, was telling, it was telling me, this is what I got from it. He said, you know, when we're going through, you can't always come to visit us, right? You can't do this. You can't do that. <laughs> and, and, and what I received for it said, make you can't your friend. And I say, man, you can't, my friend, because, you know, you can't always tell you what you can't do. It's like, well, man, you can't your friend and introduce him to who can. Come on. And I say, oh, wow, that's good. You know, so whatever you can't is telling y'all on this morning, introduce him to who say he can. Amen. Amen. Our next um, uh, thing will be on our, our list of agendas today will be an encouraging word. From our own sister Raquel, and after her exhortation, exhortation from my own brother Marvin Richardson. Okay. Amen. Yeah. Let's keep it moving, y'all. Amen. 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 Good morning. Praise the Lord, you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here in your Sabbath anniversary. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to talk about being, uh, encourage you guys to continue to be a living sacrifice. All right. Because this morning I had woke up, and I, when I woke up, I kind of, it was like four o'clock this morning. I'm like, Lord, I just got up. I just went to sleep. And so I, I had to say, I mean, so I had to think about that. And so for a minute, I just wanted to lay there. And then it was like the spirit just kept punching me, like, get up, get up, get up. And so that's when I understood at 4, even though it was 4.30 and I probably just went to, got off work at 10, it lets me know you have work to do. You have right. to be a sacrifice. And each one of us in here has to be a sacrifice. We didn't come here this far for nothing. God didn't save us for nothing. He didn't give us the gift of salvation for nothing. He gave us the gift so that we can go out and spread the word. So in order that, we have to be a, we have to be a living sacrifice. And that means to have the mind of Christ. Christ. 
So that means that we have to change. We have to deny our flesh. The things that we used to, we got to say no more to. And we got to ask the Holy Spirit to take over and give us new habits. Give us new, give us new places to go, new people to see, new things to do. And ask the Holy Spirit, even when we're uncomfortable in situation, rise up in us, Lord. Give us that boldness. Give us what we need to go places that we never been before. To do things that we never did before. To do, to be in rooms that we never should have been in. Come on. And that's what God would do. So whoever is ready to be a living sacrifice, you stand for Christ because we, that's what Christians are. We ain't just giving this word, giving this name for nothing. We're giving the name after him. Christians. We're following Christ. We're followers of Christ. So we have to sacrifice. He's going to break up our sleep. And we're going to, we don't want to get up, but our spiritual man wants to get up. Our flesh want to lay there. Our flesh want to lay there. But my spiritual man said, rise up. Rise to the occasion. It's work to do today. Somebody got to hear you. Somebody got to see you. The light got to, my light got to shine. So that's what God wants us to do in every place we go in. No matter if it's a workplace, if it's a grocery store, be the difference. Be the difference. Tell everybody about him. Tell me that sacrifice. Even when we don't want to do it. Don't complain about it. Be about it. Hey, 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 I like the fact that he's encouraging me. Like I told him, I've been in church for a long time, but I've never been encouraged like I am now. Amen. The wonderful Amen. past and the wonderful just congregation and just knowing those out there who are going through what you're going through, stay fast. Stand up. Brush yourself off. Don't let nothing keep you down. Don't let the haters keep you down. That's what we do. Mm. We let them haters keep us down. We can't finish our job. Come on. And we're supposed to reach out to help one another, which we're trying to do our best. And if you ain't doing your best, then you ain't doing God's work. Come on. Right or wrong? That's right. All right. <laughs> and you know what I was thinking about? <clears throat> our lives as an exam, a final exam. We are here on this earth to do a job. And I, your life is like a final exam. You are tested on everything that you do. Your praises, your praying, your giving, your shifting, your loving, all that stuff we need to just make sure we're working on. Because at the total end, either you're going to pass or you're going to what? Fail. And right now, I want everybody in this room and everybody out there listening to pass your life exam. So stick to it. Believe in God. Trust in God. And he's always got that helping hand. So stay with him, y'all. Stay encouraged. And I love y'all. Amen. Amen. blessing to just have everybody that's came forward because everybody you all everybody that came up here you're very encouraging to this body and I know that you're going to be encouraging to somebody out there listening yeah. so never never let nobody tell you you ain't doing nothing because right. usually that's when you're doing something amen amen so our next up is um observation of glory from sister Carolyn and then we're gonna have a song by uh sister Daphne and then by sister Frieda amen amen, amen. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, my observation of glory is first, it's a question. What are the three C's in life? Can anybody answer that question? No. Anybody else? No. Three C's. 
No. <laughs> okay, the three C's in life is choice, chance, and change. Come on. You must make the choice to take the chance if you want anything in life to change. Come on That's now. right. That's right. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Chance, Matthew 18, 21, 22. Peter said, I mean, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Come on. The chance in the Bible says, I mean, change in the Bible says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things is all possible to them that believe, Mark 9, 23, it is time to change your mindset yes. and renew your thoughts and ways of thinking. God never intended for us to live according to the world system mm -hmm. of doing things. Okay, and I have another one. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. Okay, this one is about choices too. Falling down is an accident. Stand down is a choice. Come on now. You can't choose the results. You can only choose what you do. All right. Come on. If you continue to do something long enough, results will happen. What are you choosing to do today? <laughs> the Bible says God has told us through his prophets that we are free to choose between good and evil. We may choose liberty or eternal life by following Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I know that God, my God, God is good.
Fair is the sunshine. Fair is the moonlight. Bright the sparkling stars on high. Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer than all the angels in the sky. Beautiful Savior, Lord of the nations, Now and forevermore be thine. Amen. Well, we got some songbirds up in this place, don't we? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's truly a blessing, like I say, to be in this place on today. And our next person up is going to be our own uh, pastor, James Sutton. But before you get up here, y'all know I got to make y'all laugh about this man. Woo! <laughs> Jesus! This man is definitely a man after God's own heart, for one thing. But he's still a man. Amen. And you talking about feeling comfortable around this man. He, he make us feel comfortable. He make us laugh. We joke. Yeah. Even doing Bible study. Yeah. You know, he just make us get all gooey inside, you know. But when it's time to be on it, we we'll own it. All right, all right. So, you know, I just want y'all to know that this is a great man of God. And he got a beautiful wife. Yeah, I'm going to rub it in. Yeah, I'm going to rub it in. You see him rubbing his head, y'all. He's like, this is going to But I do tell y'all, this man has really been a blessing to me. Amen. He has been a blessing to me. He has given me freedom. Uh, let me know the freedom I have in Christ. He has opened up something in me that I didn't really actually knew I had. And that was through the spirit that he has in him, telling me to believe, believe in, believe. And once I started believing, y'all, look, you can't stop me. I'm like, MC, you can't touch it. But I just joking. But uh, I just want to bring our dear pastor up because... And I'm about to cry now because this man has truly blessed me. Amen. He has. Yes. And, I, you know, I, I like to make people laugh and I like to clown boost. And one thing about this man, <laughs> Pam, just come on up because uh, <laughs> I had to put that water bucket up here for me. <laughs> Amen. Come on, Arsenio. It's time to get to work. All right. Amen. Praise God. I mean... <laughs> You know, I'm so blessed to be y'all servant. I always tell y'all that. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Because, you know, it, it, we just need more pastors that's willing to serve. That's all. Amen. Somebody asked me, do we need more pastors or less pastors? The answer is yes and yes. <laughs> yes, we need more pastors who are willing to serve. And no, and yes, we need to get rid of pastors who are not serving the people. But 
you know, the Bible says there's a catechism, and I'll explain that to you guys later. There's a question in the catechism. It says, what is the end of man? And the catechism is not but a teaching. What is the end of man? What is the purpose for man? And the purpose of man, the answer to that question is, the purpose of man is to give God glory. Amen. So many times young people ask me that. What, 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 Pastor, what's my purpose? And I just tell them to simply give God glory. You have to give God glory right where you're sitting. You don't need to search for it. You don't need to look for it. You don't need to go outside of yourself to find it. You need to sit down and figure out that your purpose is to give God glory in everything that you do. You don't need to, 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 to be like somebody else. You need to be yourself. Crow like you crow. Talk like you talk. And glorify God right where you are. Amen. And if you glorify God in the small things, he will exalt you in the big things. Amen. So we just need to be on course to glorify God. So the title of this sermon is going to be a two-part sermon because, you know, we all heard the story of David and Goliath. We all love the story. We all love the story. We all heard it. But uh, there's a deeper meaning to David and Goliath that is rarely talked about. Because it's a narrative. So there's not much doctrine in the narrative, but I want to just show you some observations that I pulled out that I believe will help us to really appreciate this story. Amen. Because this story is, 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 you know, we all try to be David. <laughs> we David. We're going to conquer some stuff. And I, and I get that. Because everybody wants to be a hero. And, and David is a good hero. But you know what it takes to be a good hero? A man after God or a woman after God's own heart. Amen. And that's what we need more of too. Men and women who are willing to sacrifice, as Sister Carter said, and follow God wherever he wants you to go. Knowing that the fellowship of the saints is so important, but also once you leave here, now you're on assignment. Mm-hmm. Once you leave here today, you are now on assignment. You come here to get cheered up, strengthened up, encouraged up to go out there. In here, we all friends. In here, we all family. But out there, there's a world out there. And some Goliaths out there that we got to slay. Y'all know who they are. Sometimes they're your frenemies. But there's a Goliath that needs to be slayed. But let's just set the foundation because you know I like to do stuff in context. Let's open your Bibles. And the title of the sermon, there's Goliath in the gospel. There's Goliath in the gospel. Open your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel. Since we just did 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, I hadn't preached out of it yet because I was waiting. 1 Samuel, chapter 16. And on Sydney, I want you to read verse 1. And we're going to hold for a second. Then we're going to read verses 7 and 13. All right? And this is just setting the stage. This is not our main passage. Our main passage is going to be out of 2 Samuel. So we got to set the stage. Now what has happened up to this point, Saul is is king. And Saul was the king that the people wanted. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a situation where people want something that's not good for them? And God has to come along. And you know, out of God's love and providence for you, he loves you so much, he'll let you make a fool of yourself. Yeah. See, sometimes you always worried about, am I in God's will? Am I in God's will? Am I? I hear that all the time. Let me tell you something, saints. Mm. Even when you think you're not in God's will, you're in God's will. Because mm. God has a permissive will that allows you to make the mistake so you'll turn to him. 
The mistake is made. He allows it to happen in your life, and it doesn't turn out like you're going to think. So you can turn to him and say, you know what? I made a mistake. Can, I, can, can, you, can you tell me what to do? Amen. If God wanted to make you a robot, he could. But God wants you to make decisions because we know that decisions are seeds. And every seed grows up to be something. We call them consequences. Consequences are not are neutral. They could be good or bad, but it's going to grow up into something. So God allows you to make decisions along your way of walking with him that will demonstrate how mature you are in the faith. And a lot of times, saints, we all do this. We make bad decisions. So the people of Israel saw all the kings around them. And you know what they said, Mr. Daphne? You know, the Amalekites got a king. The Moabites got a king. The Philistines got kings. Where's our king? And we the people of God. And God say, well, haven't I been good enough with you without a king? That one day I will bring you a king that I like, but, but you want a king, huh? You want to be like the other nations that I told you not to be like. Do you know? It's kind of interesting with, with saints of God. When you always looking at somebody else thinking that you gonna, that they got more Holy Ghost than you. And they don't. The same God that's in me is the same God that's in you. Amen. He said he gives his spirit without measure. He said that he poured lavishly into our hearts his love. But you know what? We're too busy looking at other people in the body of Christ being jealous of their gifts. So the children of Israel were jealous that the other nations had kings. So they say, we want a king too. Samuel tried to warn them. No, you don't want a king. You need to wait on God. No, no, no. We know we won't now. But who, who brought you out of Egypt? God did. Who parted the sea? God did. Who fed you in the wilderness? God did. Who gave you this promised land? God has given it to us. So why is it that you want to supersede God and get your own? Because the Bible says men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's John 3.19. And man, do. For some reason or another, it amazes me. God is so patient with us. Even though he did all of that for them, they still wanted a fleshly king. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. But when I give this king, you're going to regret it. He's going to take you through stuff that you've never ever been through before. You're going to think you back in Egypt about time he's done. Okay? And I'm just paraphrasing. I'm just giving you the, the extent of what God even warned. And that once we do this, you got to live with the consequences of your decisions. So many of you don't understand that you got to live with the consequences of your decision. God is not going to remove the consequences. I'm going to say that again. God is not going to remove the consequences. Great mercy is not removing the consequences. Mercy is allowing you to live through. Them. There are some things, decisions that you will make in life that are irrevocable, that will set you on a different path. Not that it's a path that God didn't ordain for you, but it's a path to begin your struggle. Don't you know that your struggle begins at the point of your decision? If I look back on life, all of my struggles started at that one moment I made a decision. And then for that point, God blessed me to struggle through it. And then he's got us here. We struggle to get here. 
But when I look back at God, God said, you struggled sometimes because you didn't listen to me, but you still made it because you turned to me once your struggle was too deep for you to handle. So they got a king. His name is Saul. And Saul is tall. Saul is good looking. Saul is taller than every, every Israelite. And Saul begins to rule. But then Saul is given an assignment by God. See, when God anoints you for something, he anoints you into assignment. You don't get anointed just to sit there. You get anointed into assignment. Saul got anointed to be king, to be ruler over the people of Israel, to be their king and their servant, to be their forerunner, their, their burden barrier. He was the king of Israel, and God gave him an instructions against the enemy. He said, look, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. I don't want not one of them to live. Kill all the animals. Kill all the children. Kill everybody. Saul goes in. He massacres them. But he decides on his own to, you know what? I think God would like us to keep a few of the sheep. I think God would like us not to kill the the king right away. We'll make him our slave. I think God would like us. And you know God will understand. Because you know. This is good for Israel. But what did God tell him to do? Destroy everything. Which is good for Israel. See when God gives you a definitive. You don't get no options to change it. But so many times in our lives. What, what God says in his word. Is, is so hard for us. Because what we believe is that God is withholding something from us that we could do on our own. So Saul took it upon himself as the king. The one that they wanted and didn't do what God said. Now you have to remember, the people really didn't know that God didn't say this. The prophet dealt directly with the king. So the people were subject to the king's error. So then... Prophet came to Saul and said, Look, look, what is that I hear? What you mean? What you hear? What you hear? What you mean? What you hear? I hear I, I, I hear sheep. Ain't no sheep out here. I hear donkeys. And I hear, hold on, who who y'all bring? You bringing up the king? Why did you not? Destroy all that God has told you because I thought the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The problem is you thinking and not obeying. Come on. But see, Saul didn't realize that if he'd have done what God told him to do, he'd be ready for Goliath. Because this is the incident that's before Goliath. This is the incident of battle before Goliath. If Saul would have done what God was posing to do, he would have been ready for Goliath, but he didn't. And God rejected him. God rejected him. So let's see what God said. 16 to 1, read, Samuel, loud and proud. The Lord said to Samuel. Lord said to Samuel, look. How long will you grieve over Saul? How long will you sit there and cry over this man? Because what? Since I have rejected him. I have rejected him. Pay attention to that. How long shall you grieve over Saul? Because I have rejected him. And see, every time God rejects something, there's an opportunity. 
It's in the rejection that opportunity grows. Because if Saul was king, there would be no opportunity. But God has rejected Saul, but Saul is still in office. And Saul knew that God had fired him. And instead of Saul stepping down, Saul stayed in office, which drove him crazy. Sometimes we stay longer than we should. God has moved on. You served your purpose and you need another purpose. And the purpose that you used to have, God has removed it from you because you've been rejected. God is rejecting ministers as of today. But we stay too long. Some stay too long. They stay so long that eventually they whittle the church down to nothing and still believe that they've been called. But you was called, but you got hung up on a little while back. God has moved away from you. It is, it is sometimes, let me tell you something. It's not always because you've been disobedient. It's just that you served your time. See, I don't want to make it all like, but Saul's situation, he was disobedient. God said, I rejected him. Go ahead, read. I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Uh huh. Fill your horn with oil mm -hmm. and go. Fill I'm your horn with oil and go. I love that word in the Bible, go. <laughs> Every time God makes a move, he's going to tell somebody to do what? Go. See, Samuel could have been thinking, well, you know, God, should I really go? See, you would have been like, well, you know, uh, uh, I'm the one who anointed him, but sh should I really, you know, you really want me to do this? But see, when God says go, you need to get up and do what? Go. Okay? So he rejected him as being king on Israel. He said, fill your horn with the oil that I tell you to fill it with, and you go. And you're going to go do what? Go ahead. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. So stop right there. If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And then he went on to say, this is the way you need to go. Even God had a provision for Samuel. He said, look, I'm going to show you how to get around the fact that Saul going to kill you. Okay? I'm going to show you how to get around that. You just do what I say, but you got to go. See, when God tells you to go, he'll work the, work the pathway out. He'll be the lamp unto your feet and what? The light unto your path. And what, what God did for Samuel was he lit it up for him. He said, this is how you're going to go. You're going to tell him that you're going to do some sacrifice. And then once you do the sacrifice, he'll say, go ahead and go. But then you make sure you invite Jesse and him to the party. Okay? Make sure you tell Jesse and him, you're going to come to the party to, to receive this sacrifice. And Jesse, being a poor shepherd, he's going to obey the prophet. He's going to do what prophet, the prophet said. So let's go down to verse 7. Go ahead. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So now we have a situation where he goes and gets the brothers. He goes and has seven men come before him. And the Lord said, I reject him. I reject him. Yeah, I told you to go get Jesse's sons, but I don't want him. I don't want the tall one. I don't want the good looking one. I don't want the strong one. I don't want the fast one. I don't want none of these. Now Samuel's wondering like, okay, now Lord, you did tell me to come. And then he has to ask Jesse, you know, uh, do you have a son? He said, yeah, I got a, the youngest one. The youngest one. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. The younger, the older shall serve the younger. 
So he goes and gets this little boy named David. The Bible says he is ruddy and got pretty eyes. But he looked a little scrawny. He don't look a little strong. Would nobody pick David to be the king? Do you know what it takes to be the king? Jesus, he just told you. He said, you look on the outward. I look on the inward. I'm looking for a heart, not a physical stature. What we learn first off, and I'm observing this, is like, we always say it, but do we understand it that we need to get past looking after people according to the flesh? That we need to look at the person's heart, and the only way to look at a person's heart is take the time to get to know who they are? You can't know my heart from afar. You got to get up close. You got to have a conversation with me. You got to sit down and maybe break bread with me to see my heart. You got to joke with me and laugh with me and cry with me and just to see where my heart is and see what you're looking for in a leader, especially in the economy of God. Now, you're not looking for somebody to necessarily carry the sword. You're looking for somebody to encourage you to carry your own sword. Well, my job is to go before you but teach you how to go before yourself. My job is to teach you that God is with you just like he's with me. So I'm looking at your heart. A good servant looks at the heart. We follow this example. We don't look at the stature of the man. We don't look at how they walk in and they look like a preacher. We don't do all that. Because that can fool you. They can walk in here with a gold Bible and a three-piece suit. Somebody be talking come to me. Look at that preacher right there. And it'd be the devil in disguise. But Saul rejected the sons. And it's not that the sons were bad dudes. It's just who God didn't want. God is sovereign. He can pick who he wants. Quit assuming that God got to listen to you. God will always pick who he wants. And knowing if he picks who he wants, it always shakes up something. Mm -hmm. That's why I say rejection brings opportunity for the shaking. Mm -hmm. Because when God rejected Saul, here comes the shaking. Okay. I'm going to pick somebody that y'all least expected, but I, I let you have what you wanted, but now I'm going to give you what you need. And a lot of times, the, what we need is a bitter pill. Yes, sir. We need to sit under people who, who will give us the truth. The unadulterated truth gonna tell us the gospel. It's not he's not he or she is not worried about the other stuff, the programs and the fun and all that. You can have all that, and that's good, but that's not the focus. Mm -hmm. The focus is not the money. Mm -hmm. The focus is the people. So it's, I'm gonna give you a man after my own heart that's gonna be good about the people. So we see this rejection turn to opportunity, and David is gonna be anointed king. Verse thirteen. Mm. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Mm -hmm. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And the spirit of the Lord, what? Rushed upon David from that day forward. He did as God told him to do. He anointed him. And guess who he anointed him in front of? His brothers. Now see, what, I, what I'm amazed at, y'all, is this. You done rejected my brothers in front of me. I'm the youngest one. The oil comes upon me. I'm the king. But I'm not anxious. Wouldn't you be anxious? I would. 
You done put me before my brother and my father and told my brother and my father who I've been under for all these years, I'm their king. They got to serve me. And a lot of times what ends up happening when, when, when leaders are not handpicked by God, the first thing you want to do is rule over somebody. <laughs> You're giving the judgment in your hand and you want to start putting the gavel down on people. Think about this. Y'all been in jobs before? Made somebody a supervisor and the first thing they want to do is come down on you. They want to establish their power and their authority by exercising strangleholds on you. But see, what came upon David? The Holy Spirit rushed upon David. And instead of David being anxious about what was proclaimed for him in his life, he just went back to doing what he supposed to do. Serving his father, taking care of the sheep, and letting God decide when it's the perfect time for him to take office. Amen. Even though you were anointed by God, I observe this, even though you may be anointed by God, God sets the circumstance in which the anointing is going to come forth. Amen. See, the problem with us is that we try to rule the anointing and the circumstance. When all we need to do is be prepared for the circumstance while we're anointed to do what God has called us to do. See, you want to say, I don't want to go here and I want to go there. He's anointing me as king, so I'll be should be in the palace. No, you're going back to where them sheep are. Mm -hmm. And you're going to wait for the time that God says, it's time for you to go. Mm -hmm. So God says, I anoint you into assignment, but in anointing you to assignment, you must be patient. Mm -hmm. You must be ready. There are some things you need to learn. There's some how you need to grow. And you say, well, how did David learn how to grow? Because when David went back to tend to sheep, he showed humility. The king went back to take care of what, by right, he didn't have to take care of no more. He could have ordered his brothers. Y'all go do that. I got a kingdom to run. But David was a man after God's own heart, and he wanted to honor his father and his mother. So he did what he was supposed to do. He probably got anointed and said, oh, okay, I'll be right back. I, I got to go back to work. <laughs> and his brother's sitting there like, oh, my God, he's king. Wonder how should they react to David? But David went on back to the sheep. David went on back to what he was supposed to. Somewhere in uh, Philippians chapter 4, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray about what? Everything. I believe David started writing songs then. David began to write how good God was, that God chose a person like him who's a nobody. But the God we serve makes nobodies into somebodies, but they become somebodies because they serve him. Amen. We become somebodies because they serve him. Amen. So we have David... Being going back to the sheep, he's been anointed as king, and now we're going to go fast forward, go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to get started with the story of Goliath. Go to chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to bypass a whole bunch of stuff because we know that Goliath is this big, bad giant that is defying the children of Israel, that wants to, is on the Philistine side, he's from Gath. And he stands up before the children of Israel. Now think about this. Let's go back. Saul was rejected, so he wasn't ready to fight. Right. If Saul would have did what he was supposed to do with the Amalekites, he'd have been ready to fight. But Saul ain't ready to fight. By now, Saul has an evil spirit. 
and he goes out to battle and they draw up the lines of battle and they're about to fight. David is still with the sheep. The real king is with the sheep. The people don't know that the king that they have is being rejected. They are following a king that is not fueled by the Holy Spirit. The king has no power. It's called impotency. He's impotent. He can't do anything. He can play the part. He looks the part. He got the army. He got the people. They ready to go to war. But something's going on because the people of Israel see this giant and they get scared. And the giant stands before them and says something like this. Which one of you men going to come out here and fight me? And if you come out here and fight me and you win, we'll serve you. But if we win, you'll serve us. But y'all ain't ready to fight me. Don't you know who I am? I'm Goliath. And I got five brothers that's ready to come and take my place. But I don't need them five. I'll do it all by myself because I see y'all scared. So can you imagine drawing up a battle and you get ready to fight somebody? Then all of a sudden you see the giant come up and you be like, well, um, I don't think this is the day the Lord has made and we need to rejoice and be glad. I think we need to like retreat. And that's what they did for 40 days. They go back to the camp at the campfire, get all poked up. Go down to get the battle line and see Goliath be like, oh, that wasn't enough juice. Let's go back. <laughs> and some of us are like that. You get all pumped up in here. I'm going to say it again. You get all pumped up in here. But then when you get out there, let me do this. When you get out there, when you get out there, see my St. Louis come out. I said, there. When you get out there, what happens is you shrink back. You shrink back because you 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 got an appearance of godliness. But you don't have any power. You got a zeal, but not according to knowledge. You can't fight with what you don't know. That's why Bible study is so important. So just imagine he's out there, he's about to draw it up. And for 40 days, for it's God in this 40-day thing, 40 years. And, and, and for 40 days, what, what God was doing was he was giving them an opportunity to turn to him. If you notice in the 40 days, they never turned to God. You know why they didn't turn to God? Because the leader didn't turn to God. They found the leader, but the leader followed his own program. If they had turned to God in the midst of those 40 days in like a wilderness moment. See, the only reason God took the Israelites through the wilderness for them to get to know who God was. You're in the wilderness to know God. And to know who you really are. With and without God. But instead of them understanding, there's something missing in our battle. There's something missing in our ranks. It's God himself. But Saul didn't tell him that. Because he'd been rejected. So David's father's sons went and David was still watching the sheep, the king, doing and being obedient to his father. The Bible says that in the Ten Commandments that we need to obey our parents. It even says in the Bible somewhere it says that if we obey our parents, we'll live long. And David was obeying his father. And his father said, you know what? I ain't heard from my boys lately. 
Um, when is the last time you took provisions to him? David said, about two days ago. You know, here, here's some some curd. Here's some here's some beans. Here's some milk. Here's some bread. And, and go ahead and take it to the front line. And David said, sure. So David goes, being obedient, and say, I'm going to go and take it to my brothers and see how they're doing. So David walks up to the line. He, he gets at the camp, the outer camp. And let's pick up at 1720. Go ahead and read. 1720. And David, and David rose early in the morning and mm -hmm. left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions as, and, and went. As Jesse had commanded him. So David said, I'm going to do what my daddy has commanded, but I'm not going to negate my responsibility. You see that? You catch that? Yeah. David didn't just leave the sheep unattended. Right. A good shepherd would always leave the sheep attended. Mm -hmm. What did Jesus say? I will not leave you what? Fatherless. I'm going to send back a helper. Y'all got to see what I'm saying. David could have just walked off. He the king. But David said, you know what? I still got a responsibility and I'm not going to leave my dad's sheep. Y'all should be feeling this now. I'm not going to leave my dad's sheep yeah. unattended. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let the attendant, the one I trained up, watch him. All right. Hallelujah. And I'm going to go ahead and do what daddy told me to do. Mm -hmm. well, I'm ready to run out of this church, but I got to keep it under control. Go ahead. <laughs> and he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line. Shouting the war cry. So check check this out. Picture this in your mind. He coming with his sack of beans and vittles, right? And then all of a sudden he gets to the outer camp and there's somebody that's getting ready to go out. And guess what? This person who's been running back 40 days, like I said, they pumped up uh ministers. They pumped up. They go, they he going, he going, he's hot, he going out with the battle cry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he walking out with the battle cry. And David say, Cool, I'm going too. Right. You pumped up like that, we must go have some victory up in here. I'm sorry, victory up in here. We're gonna have some victory up in here. So 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 David goes forward, alright? So so the battle cry that went, David drops off the stuff, leaves it for the guy read. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle. Here they go again. Day 41. Army against army. Mm -hmm. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brother. So think about this. Man, this be a good thing to be the keeper of the baggage, especially when they ain't fighting nobody. <laughs> every day you sitting there cooking barbecue. <laughs> and every day they come back, we ain't did nothing today. <laughs> and you wonder what's going on with them. Like, okay, y'all went out to fight. Why are y'all coming back? Ain't nobody got a scar? <laughs> well, you know that, 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 that Goliath dude. Ooh, Goliath. The, the giant, oh yeah, I'll just stay here and keep cooking. <laughs> Go ahead. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of, of Gath, Goliath, by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistine. So, so the champion of Gath, the Philistine champion, think about this. Think about all them lined up. And they all normal men. Then all of a sudden, a part comes, and here comes this giant. Nine feet tall, come walking forward. Now, he's been doing that for 40 days. They should have expected it, but, you know, I guess they hoped that he got tired and went home. <laughs> but he came forward to fight. And what is the last, what happened? And spoke the same words as before. Told him that he, 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 he would, if they win, he, he, he'd be their slave. 
And if they win, they be a slave. And then he would kill anybody that come over across this line. There was a brook. There was some water. So it's like they on that side of the brook. We on this side of the brook. We over here shouting. They over there looking at us. We over here shouting. They over there looking at us. Then when, Ga when, when Goliath stand up, we be quiet. A lot of times what happens with you saints is when Goliath stands up and opposes you, you be quiet. Because you're not prepared for the battle. Yeah, you know how to shout. You know how to speak in tongues. You know how to fight. But when that, when you need that solid word that makes sense to somebody yeah. that can fight that battle for them, you ain't got enough word in you. Come on, Pastor. Amen. See, Goliath will stand up and quote your word back to you. Mm -hmm. Come on, come on. He gonna twist it, but it's gonna he gonna know. See, Goliath is not unprepared. Mm -hmm. Goliath is there to do battle. Wow. He got a shield. He got his 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 his, uh, his uh, arrows. He got a, a armor bearer. He got his his armor on. He ready to do battle. Mm, mm. But you just talking. See? You doing a war cry? Can't scare nobody with no war cry, and you sure can't scare the devil with it. Okay. So here we go. Go ahead. And David heard him. And David heard him. They were like, who? What is going on? Who is this dude? He's Goliath. Go ahead. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. So when they, when they saw him, think about this. When they saw him, they was much afraid. All the men of Israel, the men that were supposed to be ready to fight, when they saw the obstacle, the giant, the hindrance in front of them, they became afraid. Because they weren't prepared. Yeah. They were not anointed for that assignment. Mm. Because they were following a leader that had been rejected. Mm. When you're following a rejected leader, the only thing that can happen is he going to lose or she going to lose or you, and you going to lose. Mm. But there's hope. Amen. There's hope. See, because Goliath points out the fact that we have to be ready for battle. Yeah. Not in here. Out there. Yeah. Okay? But there's a Goliath in the gospel. Go ahead, read. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? <laughs> <laughs> man, you see how big that dude is? <laughs> Hold on, I've been, uh, when I was younger, I was in a fight like that. <laughs> and the guy stood up, he was, I think at that time, you know, I hadn't even reached six foot yet, and the guy was like six foot six, and I probably five nine. And when that guy, I say he kept walking close. I'm like back there, he looked small, but dude, we gonna have to fight that dude. His arms seemed like they were this long, <laughs> you know. So you know what we did with the Israelites. We said, man, you know what? We'll, 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 we'll approach this someday, another day. Let's try to talk it out. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead. Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. Now, now think about this. The king, who's supposed to be the one who fights, says, if somebody up here would be braver than me, I'll give them riches. And he's going to say, I'm going to give you my daughter. Yeah. A coward would always put you in front of them. A coward would always want you to do more than they will do for themselves. A rejected leader will always say, you need to do something versus them being an example of how to do it. Wow. Well, see, David's anointed for this assignment. Read. 
and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Mm -hmm. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Mm -hmm. For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Oh, you see the shift? Mm -hmm. They thought Saul and the men thought they were fighting Israel. But David, who was full of the Holy Spirit, say they ain't just fighting Israel. They fighting God. You see the difference? Israel is the flesh. God is the spirit. Who can fight against God? The Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor things present, nor things can, that come can separate you from the love of God. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So you have to understand David was the arbiter of the shift, but they missed it. A lot of times we're so used to being sentimental about our leaders when the shift comes by the spirit, we miss it. Because we're trying to figure things out versus doing what Samuel did. Go. If most saints would get up and go, then we what we'll have is we'll have better churches. Yeah. But you're trying to hang on yeah. to some God said I rejected that. Can't you see that? One and one is still two. <laughs> but you see, this beautiful thing that Saul is going through is like David, this little ruddy little boy, understands that this is not just a battle for Israel, this is a battle against God. God is ready to do battle through this little bitty boy who defies the armies of God and therefore defying God. Who is this uncircumcised, big-headed, broad-shouldered, big-kneed Philistine that's going to defy the armies of God? Who are the people that's going to come into your church and defy the saints of God? Come on. The battle's out there. Are you ready? Come on. Come on. Read. And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. So they go back to the prize. What you get if you kill him. He didn't put something before them and they answer the same way. Instead of saying, let's go because God behind us, that's what they should have said. Behind what David preached, they should have been like, let's go. We the armies of God. Okay? But they still say the same thing. You know, Saul said if you know, if you kill him, you'll get, you'll get his daughter and you'll get gold and you'll get fame. Yeah. You'll get affluence. But see, that's what I've been talking to y'all about. He, he, see, they was looking at affluence. God was talking about influence. Amen. But sometimes you're so busy looking at affluence, you miss the influential time. Okay? Go ahead, read. Now, Elab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So he looking back at what he should have been, what he thought he should have been doing. What you doing down here? You come down here to laugh at us, ain't you? Who, who, who back there with them sheep? See, that's a Pharisee attitude. A Pharisee will always tell you what you should be doing. And miss the movement of God. 
They gonna, we gonna quote the law to him. You should be watching the sheep. What are you doing down here? You too little. You shouldn't be fighting. I'm obeying my father. Amen. I'm obeying my father. My father Cole told me to come bring you something to feed you, fool. <laughs> if I didn't come, you wouldn't be eating tonight. But you worried about the sheep. But you're not really worried about the sheep. You worried about me being here. Because I just said something that pricked you. I just said something that made me look a little bigger in the eyes of the people than you see. Y'all been scared. I done came down here and said, who is this Philistine defying the armies of God? And the people are starting to stand up and, and take notice like, you know what? David, right. We are the armies of God. But see, you got to remember, when did David get anointed, anointed in the midst of his brothers? His brothers began to hate on him from day one. And his brothers are going to try to stop. See, there's people that's close to you that are going to try to stop your assignment because they're jealous of you. They don't want you to go forward because they only can see you as the little person or the, or the person who came up under them and they were not willing to let you go. So what, what he did was he used his brotherly authority as being older and saying, what are you doing here? Get back to the sheep. But see, when you're following God, you ignore all of that. Amen. Matter of fact, you wear that stuff like a badge of honor. Teach, teach. See, you know how you know you're anointed? Mm -hmm. Get a little closer, let me tell you. The way you know you're anointed <laughs> by the amount of haters you have. <laughs> you ain't got no haters. You ain't that anointed. <laughs> you ain't that anointed. Everybody love you. You ain't that anointed. I could make a joke right now, but I ain't. Well, well <laughs> I'll do it on Tuesday. Okay. All right. So, go ahead and read. We're almost done for today. Because I, we ain't even got to the gospel part, see? I'm just setting you up for the natural. Go ahead. Because then next week, we're going to go into a spiritual. Go ahead. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? What it now, what it not but a word. And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke was heard, they repeated them before, before Saul. And he sent for him. Stop right there. And he sent for him. And he sent for him. David was obedient to the anointing. David was obedient to his father. And David was obedient to God. God says that if you want to be acknowledged by God, humble yourself and be obedient. Humble yourself. So the first thing, you are anointed into assignment, but your assignment can't be realized till you humble yourself to the obedience. You will never grow in God without your obedience. And you have to be obedient in places that you never thought you'd have to be. You have to humble yourself in places that you never thought God would take you. You got to humble yourself and talk to people God, you never thought God would have you talk to. Yeah. Even God said, it's easy to talk to people like you, but you need to talk to the people who aren't like you. He said, even the heathens look after the heathens. So you ain't doing no big deal coming here talking to us. I want to get you prepared to talk to them. 
I want to give you more than just a war cry. I want to give you substance and a sword to fight with, Amen. which is the word of God. God said that if you be faithful in a few things, he'll make you master over many. Go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. Let's see what God says. If, that, if that's not true, what I just said. Matthew 25, 23. Matthew 25, 23. Mm -hmm. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. He said, go ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. Enter into the joy of your master. So the joy of the master comes from obeying the master. The joy from the master comes from being humble to the master. The joy from the master is being faithful in the small thing. See, what we do here is a small thing. Because the battle is a real thing. You come here to get fed, small thing. But you're faithful in this small thing. And you come every Tuesday to get fed. You come every Sunday to get fed. You come on Saturday for the men's meeting to get fed so that you can do this small thing and be ready for the big thing. Because God just said in his word, if you be faithful with the small, I'll make you not just a servant, but a master over many. And because you've been humbled, you're not looking forward to be a master to lord over anybody. Because he also said you will not be like the Gentiles and lord over people. He said if you want to be the greater servant, you got to be willing to serve everyone. Yes. So this is how you do this. David is learning how to serve. David is learning how to humble himself. David is preparing himself for the battle. And in the midst, when Saul gets him, he's going to ask him. He's going to say, you know, who are you? You little boy, you ain't ready to fight. He's like, oh, yes, I am. He said, well, tell me your credentials. He said, you know, back when I was watching them sheep, there was a lion and a bear that came. And a lion and bear came, and I, the lion, I grabbed him by the mane and broke his head off. The bear, he came, he tried to swipe me, I dodged it, and I cut his hands off. And I'm paraphrasing just to give it color, but I'm saying David was prepared in another place for this day. He had to fight the lesser to get ready for the what? Greater. So Saul being the coward that he is, he said, okay, David, you go ahead. Saul thought David was going to get killed. Go on, what's another little boy? Ain't nothing, nothing. Go ahead. I'll get another one like him. Did he bring the food? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. But then Saul did something I thought was quite interesting. We know in the story that Saul said, here's the armor to fight with. And David was like, you ain't fighting with your armor. How am I going to fight with your armor that's never been tested? You know, my, one of my favorite saying, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that what? Can't be trusted. So again, don't go fight with somebody else's faith. Because you don't know if their faith been tested to the battle that you're about to be in, that you've been anointed into. You got to come with your own faith. On, faith is not transferable. Amen. Faith is not transferable. It's individual. It's idiosyncratic, meaning that it's, it's between you and God. He said, no, I can't fight with a coward's armor. Amen. But I'll tell you what. Let me go with what I got. Okay. Let me go with what I'm used to fighting with. Yeah. Let me go on what I'm used to dealing with. The bears, the lions, and all the, the, the coyotes that come try to steal God's sheep. Let me go with that. But the most, the most important thing 
that I hope that you caught. He went with the word of God because he said, who is this Philistine that defiles the armies of God? He didn't kill him with the stone. He was already dead when he proclaimed the word of God. On him. See, the word got to go before you sometime. That's why God said he'll go before you. Be your shield. See, you got to get this word in you so you can go forth with strong in the word. See, all the rah, rah, rah. Is fine. I mean, there's a place for that. But you got to go forth with that word. So when he proclaimed what it was, what was happening, the Goliath was already done. Mm -hmm. How you going to defy the armies of God? Amen. He was dead dead. He just didn't know. <laughs> All had, his spirit was already being crushed. All he had to do was a stone going to his head. So what did David pick? He didn't pick the armor that was made by man's hands. He didn't pick the shield that was honed out of the ground by man's hands. He looked in the down in the water that was made by God. And he looked down in the water that was five smooth stones that was made by God. So he picked up the five smooth stones because, you know, he had, a, he had some brothers. And he said, all I need is one, but I'll get ready just in case some more come. But he used what God had made. Come on. The water and the stone. Yeah. The stone that the builders what? Rejected. Rejected. Come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. Y'all yeah. <laughs> gotta get this. Amen. God rejected Saul. Man rejects God. But then God loves you enough to take your rejection as an opportunity to slay the giant. So the water made the stone smooth, aerodynamic, ready to fit with inside the sling. And David just went forward with the word of God and the spirit of God to slay the giant that wanted to fight against God. So, so do you. You take the word of God, the spirit of God. And your testimony. Revelations talks about that the devil was beaten by the word of the testimony and the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. This is all by God. You don't need to be labeled to fight the good fight of faith. You just need to have the fight of faith in you to fight. You don't need a title, pastor, preacher, minister to fight the good fight of faith. The Goliaths in your life don't care what kind of title you got. Because he showed didn't care about Saul being king. Mm -hmm. Goliath is out there to derail you. Goliath is out there to mess with you. There are people that are your physical Goliaths. Mm -hmm. And we can give God some praise because of the fact that we know that God will fight our battles for us. Oh, yeah. And there's people close to us, like our brothers and sisters, who just don't understand our anointing. We give them grace. We're not going to assume that they're bad people. They're just so used to us being under them. They're so used to us following them. But God, if they really loved you, they should have known that God was going to eventually raise you up. That God is going to eventually mature you up. That yes, you're still my buddy, my friend, but God got something for me to do. That no, I can't, unless you understand who I am in Christ, you can't go with me. I got to find other brothers and sisters that are willing to go with me. <laughs> so God gets us ready to fight this battle of Goliath. And we talk about the Goliath that's physical. We talk about the Goliath that we can see. We talk about the Goliath that stands up before us and is bigger than us, stronger than us. 
more courageous than us. But there's a Goliath in the gospel. And next week we're going to talk about that. Because really, the Goliath is not a person. The Goliath is the spirit of rejection of God. It's in you. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, let us begin to see that the Goliath that I'm talking about is not external, but it's internal. Lord David gave us an example of how we're to fight. And the same way we see that Goliath was defeated by David, we also, we begin to defeat the Goliath within inside of us. So without the Goliaths that's inside of us, there will be no need for the gospel. The gospel is what defeats Goliath. And we're going to talk about that next week. So Lord, bless the hearers that are listening around the world. And all those who have partaken of this message. Lord, I just thank you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. If this message has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform. You can donate by looking in the description box and picking your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. Continue listening. And your prayers are needed, welcomed, and appreciated. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.